Hey, Dental Online Trainers, Dr. Dennis Hartlieb here with you. Many of you are like me with a long commute to the office every day, or maybe you like to just get away mentally while you're working out or out on a run or like me on a bike ride. And if you're like me, you've grown fond of any number of podcasts that are out there. I mean, there's bazillions of them. And actually, I sincerely hope that Dental Online Training Sharecast is one of your favorites. Well, anyhow, there are several that I listen to on a regular basis. My favorite is Guy Raz's How I Built This. That's an NPR podcast, and anyone with an entrepreneurial spirit will just love this one. When I need a laugh, though, I'll listen to Conan Needs a Friend with Conan O'Brien or Smartless with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. But there are times when I want to listen to someone talk about dentistry or people talking to dentists. My go-to over the years has been Alan Mead, first with the Dental Hacks, than the Alan Mead experience, and no more lately with his podcast, The Very Dental Podcast. Alan has this total radio voice. I mean, it's as smooth as polished microfilm, and he has a gift for pulling the thread that is like really getting to the next question with the person he's talking with. So kick back and join us now for part one of our conversation with Alan as he talks about his background, his life as a child of a dentist, the challenges of dental school, and how he got into the podcast world. Hello, Dental Online Trainers, Dr. Dennis Hartley, back with you with another splendid ShareCast. Today's guest is a, well, I, Alan, we're friends, I think. Mm-hmm. We go way I would back. Say, I would say. Gotten to know Alan a bit along the years. And if you don't know Dr. Alan Mead, let me give you a little introduction. So Dr. Alan Mead is from Saginaw, Michigan. If you don't have your map handy, I brought mine with me. This is Good. the map of Michigan and Nicely it done. is right there. So as a fellow Michigander, we tend to carry our maps with us, right? In yes. Our, yes. Right in our hand. We have our mittens. Exactly. I had family from Saginaw, Michigan. I grew up in the Detroit area. So just okay. where you were. Actually, I live in Midland. I practice in Saginaw. I live in Midland and grew up in Midland. So, but to be honest, Midland is actually even smaller than Saginaw. It's just it's just further west from Saginaw. It's all the the Saginaw Bay region is is uh, it's interesting. It's it's the I don't how do you describe it? It's like it's bigger city than up north, but it's yes. much smaller than Metro Detroit or Grand uh, Rapids, Grand Rapids, even Flint area right. on some level. It's but it but it's but yet those three cities actually it's several hundred thousand people in that region. So it's not. Sometimes when I describe it, I, you know, compared to folks that live in metro area, it's, it's tiny, but it's not actually, it's, it's in it. Oh man. It's, I was driving around yesterday. It's a lot of farmland still. (laughs) Well, my, my, my cousin, Terry Snow is a, uh, has a farm in Midland, Michigan. He worked for Dow Chemical and he, uh, on the side, he had a, a a farm, he had a working farm. And one of my, one of my favorite memories as a kid, he'd let me go up and pick some cucumbers out of his little plantation. And then I'd get a big bushel, bushel bag of cucumbers. I'd bring them back to my Detroit suburb. I'd put them in a red wagon and I'd walk down the street and I'd sell cucumbers for a dime each. Nice. And nice. my favorite memory is my buddy and I, Jerry Cole, we would sit there and we used to have ditches back where I grew up. And mm-hmm. so we would sit on the ditch. We'd take out a cucumber. I would brought a salt shaker and yeah. put some salt on my cucumber. And we'd each eat cucumbers like they're apples. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and go out and make a few bucks while we were, uh, you know, 10 years old or something. There you go. So, there you yeah. go. Nice. 
So yeah, I used to spend a lot of time up in Midland and uh, then my, I had family also in Saginaw. So, okay. So yes. And then let's see. So you are a, a son of a dentist. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that more because I always find that super fascinating um, mm-hmm. kids whose, whose parents were dentists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went to university of Minnesota for dental school. I did. Yep. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. Mm-hmm. And, but your, your, probably your recognition is known for the dental hacks podcast that we you did with uh, Dr. Lips. With Jason. Dr. Yep. Dr. Yep. Jason Lips, Lipscomb. Mm-hmm. And then, but you also have a podcast, the Alan Mead Experience. Mm-hmm. Which right? is sort of defunct at the moment. Although I, the concept of that podcast was always kind of cool. So I might bring that back at some point too. All right. I wanted to ask you about that. So that's perfect. And then mm-hmm. currently though, you are sort of the supervising person of the very dental podcast. So that's mm-hmm. under sort of the Alan Mead brand. Mm-hmm. And then you have some guest people that are on there that yeah. are yep. hosting that. Yep. And so general practice dentist, and I, you have so much to talk about. And the reason why I wanted to bring Alan on was a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I think Alan has, I think the best dental podcast out there hey, and, uh, and historically, and I'll tell you what, why I like, like it so much, Alan, is that when you, when you do these type of things, you have an agenda, you have an idea things that you want to get through. But what I really appreciate about your style is you have this ability to riff and you have a ability to go off concept and off topic because you follow, you follow the thread. And so when a thread gets pulled, you want to know more about it. And you're just going to continue to pull that thread so that you get better, deeper understanding. And a lot of podcasters or a lot of stuff that you listen to, they're so intent on just uh, fulfilling the information. They got their checklist. I got to ask this. I got to ask this. this, That there's things that's like, why didn't you ask them about this? Because that's super interesting. Mm -hmm. And you do. You follow that thread. And I've always appreciated that about your podcast. I think that's super cool. It is funny, too, because part of it is that a lot of dental podcasts have a reason for being outside of hey, I want to do a podcast, you know, like whether it's the fact that the, the people who do it have a have some kind of a program that they run or, or they do training or they, you know, they teach implants or they have a mastermind program or whatever. And so on some level, a podcast has always been a great way to market. I mean, it's it's where you create an you create an audience and then the, you can sell something to the audience. And to Jason's great chagrin. I never did that. I never, we started it because I wanted to make something that I thought I would want to hear. Cause I listened to podcasts like crazy. I listened to a ton of podcasts. And so my point was, Hey, let's, let's do something that I'd like to hear. Well, what happens is, I mean, I don't have, I'm, I don't have a product I'm selling really. I don't have, and that used to drive Jason crazy. He's like, you know, we, we started the voice of dentistry and, and you got Mark Costas has, you know, has all kinds of coaching and all kinds of, and, and Justin Moody has an implant program and Jason. And of course they, they are able to, sell stuff on top of it. Well, we, we didn't really yeah, have yeah, they're monetizing. Have, they're monetizing. Yeah, they're, they're monetizing. And so, and we, we monetize with, with ads on some sure. level and, and some affiliate stuff, but it was Jason always felt like, and I, he would, this sounds insulting, but I don't think he would, I don't think he would uh, disagree. He always felt like <laughs> we didn't, we didn't take advantage of what we had created on some level. And, and, and that was one of the things that used to drive him crazy about me. Cause I just wasn't very ambitious about that aspect of it. Well, I've heard you talk about your dental practice and sometimes how it's easy to ignore what the the numbers are of the practice and the mm-hmm. production, right? You're just busy doing the dentistry, the stuff you mm-hmm. love to do. Mm-hmm. And maybe likewise, it's like, I just want to have fun. I just want to do yeah. this. And you know, I'm terrible because it's the other thing is being old enough and buying, having bought the practice cheap enough, I can get away with that. 
Yeah. I can totally get away with that. Like I can, I can, uh, if the numbers are, eh, they're okay. You know, and, and, uh, my accountant, if they were listening, they'd probably be throwing up right now, but it's kind of <laughs> true. I mean, it's like, I, and what's crazy is there are times like now my numbers are as, as good as they've been. And I haven't really tried that much. It's, it's crazy. I mean, the other thing is as soon as I put out in the world that I don't like removable, that seems to be all I'm doing now. <laughs> well, be you know careful what, what you say. All right. I know. I know. I oh, should, yeah, exactly. Well, Hey, I want to this is a quote from a viewer or listener of your, uh, and I don't know if this, I think this is from Dental Hacks, okay, but it might probably. have been from the Alan Mead experience. I know I think this is from the Alan Mead experience, like catching up with a friend from dental school. Listening to this podcast feels like finally catch up with an old friend from dental school you love catching up with, swapping stories and sharing ideas like you only can with a friend who gets it. And that's from Jess from Iowa. Okay. And then, I like that. Yeah, right. I mean, and I think that's super true. And if you haven't listened to any of Alan's uh, podcasts, now some of them are kind of archived. It's like going back into the Library of Congress to find some of. Uh, it is. It's we. That's what happens. You do it for long enough, and and it's really funny because our download numbers. I sh- I say our. I still Jason and I. Jason and I kind of split ways almost a year ago, and I still say our. Uh, my download numbers are enormous, but I think what happens about the enormous. When you when you look at any given day, I mean, there's hundreds of episodes that are that are downloaded any given day, and so you can only do that if you have hundreds of different episodes, right? Like, it's it's cool because it's evergreen content for the most part. We have there's nothing that's like topical, like you know, it's not like right. we're talking about the Ukraine war or COVID right. particularly. All the COVID stuff probably didn't age very well. I would say that, right. but the reality is, yeah, just the best time to start a podcast was seven years ago or eight years ago, you know, that's that because we were there at the right place, at the right time. And we just have a lot of content out there. So yeah, you're right. The, the archives are pretty deep. When I was a younger, younger Dennis, I had a buddy who lived in Washington, DC. And for some reason, we ended up at the Library of Congress. I have no idea why we did that. Interesting. And I was thinking about this this, this morning. So there's certain books you can look at Library of Congress, but there's a bunch that you're not supposed to be even, you know, sure touch. So, but there was a door that was open and literally behind this door, there's a spiral staircase. And I'm like, well, it's there and we're here. And so we just sort of wandered up the spiral staircase and we mm-hmm. were into the deep vaults of the library of Congress. Oh. And, and you know, I was so stupid. I mean, I was 20 some years old, right? What's the worst thing could happen? So anyhow, that's sort of how, when I was digging through some of your old stuff, I felt like I was going back and like going through and digging through, trying to find some stuff. So we were, we were terrible in the beginning too. It's fun to listen. We were not very good in the beginning. Um, I mean, I think the content was okay, but we didn't know what we were doing. And one thing you do when you do it, a lot, the conversation becomes smoother or, or I don't know. The other thing is, is, as my dad said, you know, you guys had finished each other's sentences. It's kind of true. Jason and I did a live event when we were at Voice of Dentistry. We, um, we did a live podcast together. It was really fun. And it was, it was the same. It was the same, like things haven't changed that way. We still have, a, we still have really good chemistry with that. And that, that was one of the things, but even from the very beginning, we had, we, we sort of tried to make each other laugh. That was sort of the, and, and oftentimes we did, but yeah, yeah. it's a, I got a great story. That's like that. Okay. So when I was, when I was a freshman at Miami of Ohio, so that's where I went to undergrad. I went to uh, Miami, which is outside of Cincinnati. That's a, like, it's referred to as khaki U. Khaki. Yeah. Or, or, or the, the, the Harvard of the East, Harvard of the West. I don't know. That's the, the Harvard of the Midwest. Midwest. They like, but every college likes to say that Michigan likes to say well, that sure and Wisconsin do. likes to say that. And also, yeah, exactly. In any case, mine was, mine was a great place to go. I have no regrets. And, uh, the funny thing about Miami is I hated it the whole time I was there, but looking back, it was such a great thing. And I've, I found myself in those places a lot in my life in any case. So, uh, some friends from my dorm, literally like the first couple days we were there, 
I had a car and that was, I had a truck actually, a pickup truck. And that was from Midland. Yeah, exactly. And a bunch of us went in to Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati. He, he, this kid lived there and and news. So I didn't know anything and I just drove. And so they told me to park here and we're like downtown. It wasn't a rough part of town, but it was not Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati was not super busy. It was not a sure, but we walked by, it was a big bus right on the street and there was a, a door open. This is much like your door. And we were dumb 18 year olds. And so we just went in the door. Of course, you know, we couldn't have gotten into a bar if we'd want to, but this is a back door. Right. So we, we walk in the back door is the club. It's freaking Joe Cocker seeing you can leave your hat on <sighs> no to way. a big, to a completely crowded. It was like, that was his bus that was like waiting to take him off stage. And like somehow some stagehand had left the door open and we walked in and watched his finishing number, which was a pretty cool, like, and they didn't kick us out. They saw us there. It was right. pretty cool. Like that was right, a pretty right. neat thing. So sometimes, sometimes those doors, uh, if you're bold or dumb enough, whichever it is, maybe a little of both, that's maybe worth walking through sometimes. And, and for those listeners who don't know who Joe Cocker is, you have to go, go YouTube. Yeah, sorry. He's, yeah. he died a while back, but he's a, he's got a real gruff voice and he's got, he's got a bunch of songs you've heard before, you know, it's, um, but yeah, I like who knew we we're going to walk into a Joe Cocker concert, but this would have been in what, 1989 too. So. Oh, at the height, he was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you tell the story about how you and Jason met, uh, but before you get into all that, one of the things that I'm always super curious about, Alan, is when, you know, talking to dentists, there's such different journeys for all of us, how mm-hmm. we got into it. And so your dad was a dentist, correct? Yeah. Yep. So what was it like having a dad as a dentist? Because I can't, I cannot, uh, my daughter can talk about it, but I can't talk about that. What's it like having a dad as a dentist? He liked it. He still likes it. Like literally the, we went to the, you know, the veteran meeting up North, you know, we were at the veteran meeting last fall and it was really cool because we had a bunch of uh, several podcast listeners that came from not Michigan. I mean, the veteran meeting is basically Michigan people that go up North and see excellent continuing education for for zero dollars basically it's like the best deal in ce and and it tends to be a michigan-ish thing well i or i invited some people from the podcast anyone who wanted to to come up and so we got we had people from oregon we had people from indiana it was great and we saw hornbrook who was fantastic he was really good And, and anyhow so my dad every person he ran into every every person younger than about 50 he said whatever you do don't retire just slow down just slow down because he misses it. He he really misses it. He he does work in my office some occasionally, like doing removable stuff and that. But so he's he's someone who doesn't like to sit still very much, and and he does miss it. But I mean, he loved it when I was growing up. So like I remember moving into his old building. He had multiple old buildings at that point. But when I was probably about twelve, I helped him and the guy that he built the building with move into the new office. And that would have been like nineteen eighty one. I just remember what a huge deal that was. I remember. I don't know. I just grew up in it. You know, like I, I, he would take us over there all the time. I tell the story constantly, but he'd take us over there all the time when he was doing whatever as dentists do. When you got something, you got some on your desk, whether it's charts or whatever, he'd take Lab us work. over there. Exactly. My sister and I would goof around and spray each other with air water syringes and go up and down. On the, and my kids do the exact same thing when I take them to the <laughs> office. So, I mean, but there's a comfort of being in a, like a dental office, I didn't recognize a dental office smell if you did, because it was just oh. dad's office, you know? And then more than that, this is the best part. I started mowing the lawn at his office when I was like 12 right. and the lawn at his office was enormous to be mowing with like a regular mower. And that's exactly what I mowed it with a regular mower. So it took two and a half, three hours. And, and it was, it was, and I'm sure I did not do a very good job considering how it would take like a lawn place, probably like 10 minutes, right? right, right three right. guys doing it to be done. 
it, but I mean, like I literally, I was around that office a lot, a lot, you know, and then when I could drive, I'd put the mower in the truck and do it myself. I was not good. I broke a lot of sprinkler heads with that, that <laughs> gig actually, but I also had ortho. He did ortho. He was doing ortho before it was even close to cool for general dentists to be doing ortho. Like they this do is like twin wire, twin oh, yeah. wire society. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he did, he did a fair amount of, I was in a bionator when I was in seventh grade. Wow. I remember specifically because I had to give a speech, a speech class. And I went up with the bionator in forgetting it, that it was in my mouth. And I took it out midway through the speech, which was a real hit. Apparently. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's any of, I mean, of course the grossest thing ever, poor Mr. Navarro had a heart attack, but I mean, and, and looking back, knowing what a binator is that's like i mean i don't think they used the binator very much but it was this giant piece of acrylic that i was wearing the whole time and it was a right. um i was in headgear i was basically every everything that he learned he would try on me basically and i have i've said this on the show before i have i had spaces i i have all of my wisdom teeth and i got room for more like i have <laughs> i i've got i have a diastema that he closed multiple times and I was a terrible retainer wear because he had me in braces when I was like eight. You know, I was, I was so jacked up. What's interesting, I, I hate to interrupt, but it's, uh, you know, you talk about the bionator and you talk about starting early intervention at eight. And it's interesting. Your dad was a real pioneer. He had no idea. Forward. He had no idea what he was like. And he would never, he never took teeth out. He'd never do extraction ortho. Well, little did he know. <laughs> I mean, he was that treating he airway was doing the before right. they knew. Yeah, exactly. he was right. treating airway before you. And that's the one thing you can say. I got a lot of things wrong with me. I got a, I got a tongue the size of of uh, a school bus, but my airway is pretty good because I have I have these jaws. I have these jaws. It's ridiculous. And he didn't. There were never any teeth taken out. He was never going to retract me much. But even when he did, I couldn't. I didn't wear the retainer, so I have a natural diastema. He ended up after a couple, several times fixing the diastema closure he did in composite he did him in he did him in porcelain probably midway through college so i figured that had to have been about 1992 they're still on and i mean he didn't prep much because there's no way these things stayed unless he was bonding to enamel for sure i mean like so and you look at him on the x-ray i got a beauty of a space between my teeth still so it's it's uh yeah they probably need to be redone but that's some longevity considering i'm 50 years old i've probably been there for 26 years or something like that that's not bad yeah pretty good pretty good so and i grew up in a dental office and i've had a lot of dental work done on me so i mean my daughter grew up in a dental office i mean i was always going on the weekends doing stuff and mm-hmm. she's like last thing i'm going to do is be a dentist i don't yeah. want to have yeah. that yeah so it, you know you can be in that environment and you can be either compelled to join it or you can mm-hmm. be sort of opposite you can be sort of pushed away with it so dad i know it? dad wanted me to be a dentist I don't know why. Like I now that I have kids, I don't have a strong feeling. For one thing, dentistry was like right now with the kind of debt you have to go into to go to dental school and stuff. It clearly is a different animal. Sure. So is. I don't feel super. And I and I'm unfortunately having heard and talked to lots of younger dentists. I, that debt load is not anything I necessarily would wish for my kids. Yep. But on the other hand, I mean it's it's I mean it's been a good profession for me. But like I said, I think I was born at the right time on some level. Yeah. But I mean, I always, it was always a thing. It's really funny. When I was in, when I was in college, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And okay, dad, so. dad thought that was not a great idea. He wanted me to be a dentist, but I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I would go back and forth on that deal. And I remember, <laughs> remember when I was taking the DAT, 
the standardized test for dental school. I don't even know if they do that anymore. They do. Absolutely. Same, well, so one, for, I'm a pretty good test taker, but I didn't really study much or anything like that. But the most important thing was at the time I took the DAT, I was pretty sure I was going to be a veterinarian. And so I'm like, damn, I signed up for this, this test. I got, I might as well show up and take it, but I don't even want to be a dentist at this point. So I went in there with zero expectations and I did very well. Like I, I will say I did not do well on the organic chemistry part because it had been a couple of years since I'd taken organic chemistry and I didn't do any studying for it. But I did I did really well. Like apparently, apparently on the biology section, I got a hundred percent. And they, I, apparently that that doesn't happen ever. And I I got a freaking scholarship for my DAT scores the first freshman year of dental school. And and like you could have knocked me over with a feather. I thought scholarship. What do you I don't even remember taking the test because I didn't need to take it kind of thing. So that's I will say that if you're taking standardized tests, take the ones you don't think you need because the, the, <laughs> the, the lack of pressure. I did the same thing for the GRE because I was already going to be a dentist when I took the GRE for vet school. That's a test prep tip that they don't give you. Take the test you don't think you need. Yeah, exactly. I'd be an award winning lawyer by now. Yeah. All right. So that, that really, that, that I'm really surprised by that. I was sort of thinking, all right, you're, you're loving dentistry. You're at there practice with your dad. And so you get in, you get in dental school. So what about vet school? Did you follow up with vet school? No, or did you just no. Say, you I would have, I would have applied to Michigan state because Michigan state is a great vet school. And yep. that's, I mean, like I, I didn't have a drive to go, but when I was looking at dental schools, I looked at, I was, I couldn't have been any more Midwest. I, right. I looked at, I looked at Michigan, Detroit for about three seconds. Detroit yeah, was right. still in the Detroit was oh, still in the building that geez. my dad graduated from. Yeah, that's a scare. That was a scare. It was it was tough neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and I've I've actually spoken at the University of Detroit now, and the school is amazing, but it is in a tough neighborhood still. It like is. literally while I was there the last time I was speaking, they had a car stolen from the parking lot. I just worried <laughs> it was mine. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty tough neighborhood. So I didn't I looked at Detroit for a second and, and I knew that wasn't gonna happen for me. Right. I went to Michigan, uh, I applied at Michigan, I applied at Minnesota, I applied at Iowa, and I applied at Nebraska. I remember my dad and I took some kind of cool trips because we did at Iowa and Nebraska at the same time, and all of them really seemed pretty compelling. Minnesota, mm-hmm. this is embarrassing but true. Minnesota was particularly compelling. Do you know who Garrison Keeler is? Oh, sure, of course. Okay, so I listened. I mean, I was a 70-year-old man when I was 20. I was a big Garrison Keillor fan, like like news from Lake Wobegon kind of stuff, sure. that, that sort of thing. And so I was sort of drawn to Minnesota for that. I like the building. And doggone it, if these guys, I probably the thing that made the choice for me was I went and visited the Psi Omega house when I interviewed at Minnesota. And there was a guy by the name of Rob Kozlowski, who's still practicing, I think. He was a junior at the time I went to see the, and he was so kind and so nice, gave me a tour of the Tayo house and, and told me everything I wanted to know, like from an actual student point of view, no matter what, I, they did a nice job at Minnesota, making you feel welcome in the recruiting, if you will, sure. or whatever. they were yeah. great. They were good people, but Rob probably Rob and Bill, who I'm still in contact with now are probably the reason I went to Minnesota because they were oh, so nice and they were so, and I, and I did, I lived at the Tayo house for three years and I, that, that was uh that's how I ended up in Minnesota. I mean, I, I, I lament the fact that University of Michigan was two hours from home. Right. Right. In your back and, door. and and my dad's entire family is within 20 minutes of Ann Arbor and they all have terrible teeth. <laughs> it would have been perfect. I would have had all the patients I could stand. I didn't know a soul in Minnesota when I went there. Right. Right. So I it wasn't a great choice on that part. But but if you close your eyes and ended up in the clinic at Michigan or Minnesota, you probably wouldn't have been able to tell which one it was. Minnesota's building was tall and Michigan's was wide, but more yeah. or less, mm-hmm. they're very similar that way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I, so I went to Michigan. I was there before you would have gone because I graduated mm-hmm. in 88. So mm-hmm. what year What year did you graduate? Dental school? I graduated in 97. 
Yeah, yeah. So you would have seen like the former tray uh, um, burn marks that we left on the countertops yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. that. But yeah, otherwise, yeah. there's plenty of that too. I can't believe they let us have open flames in those labs. I really right. can't. <laughs> those are good old days. Yep. 3D printers, who needs them? Give me yeah, that's a, right. That's what you mean. Some water tray liquid in, in a My favorite thing, my favorite thing was like our denture, like the, the preclinical denture clinic. They just said, start doing it. And we're like, start doing what? We had no idea. And they like, that's kind of how lab always was it in dental school. They're like, just do it. And you're like, do, do what? I, well, I can't can... believe how little we actually knew when we got up there. It blows my mind. Yeah. You have an open flame, some hot acrylics, some, yeah. some molten metal. What, yeah, could, go what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. When you finished dental school, did you join your dad's practice? I did. I did. Well, you know, that's one thing that's really funny because I never, there was never a question where I was going when I was done. Interestingly, I left having, oh God, I failed boards the first time. It was, when it was, it was the type on stuff that I failed. I passed all my clinical stuff. It was the type on stuff I failed, which is so crazy. So I had to, I had to go take boards a second time in Chicago at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I, looking back, I can't believe how brave I was. I'm not that brave of a person. I'm like going into a strange dental school with a patient that I brought from Midland with an assistant that I brought from Midland in like hoping for the best. It was insane. Sure. I passed, I passed, you know, I made it, but oh my gosh, I can't believe how, what a bold thing to have done. And, and I can't even, I mean, I remember doing it, but I, it's like, I was a different person at that point, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a, a license in Minnesota and I didn't realize, I mean, how could I have missed this giant thing? Michigan is East, uh, is East, Eastern, Eastern Minnesota is central, Eastern boards and central boards. And I took central boards and you don't, you, you, they didn't automatically just, just give you a license. Like no. you had the credential. Well, they did the, uh, somehow or another, the Michigan, I, and it might be that dad knew people or, or the Michigan Dental Association may have lobbied for me or something like that, but I didn't have to take Eastern boards. I, I you know, they took my, my, your credits. credits. Yeah. It really didn't hurt that dad, dad was kind of knew a lot of folks in at the Michigan Dental Association that were willing to stick their neck out for me. So that was good. You know, one of the one of the good things that's changing is that uh, no longer is it going to be just these regional boards. Things are becoming much more universal yeah. with some yeah. some exceptions, some states. But the other thing that's happened with COVID, I think they're getting away from live patient boards, which yeah. is which is so, so important because ethically speaking, they never had they never had a leg to stand on no, with, with it, live patient boards. I think just a money generating scheme. And it was, you know, it's complete BS. I mean, we had to pay our patients to to come for the boards. And if they didn't show up, you automatically failed. Yeah. In today's world, they take their boards while they're still in school. Like when I don't know how it was for you, but we didn't take boards till we were graduating. Yeah. So if you didn't pass, or even if you did pass, you didn't get your license until July. Right. So I I got a little of both, Dennis. I got a little of both because we took our boards while we were in school. But since I failed them, then I got to Uh take them after I graduated. Having the support of the school where you had done a mock boards was probably a winner. I mean, yeah. if, if you if if the situation could be better, that would be the way it was. You know, the For other sure. thing is, is what you do is a bunch of people would pay extra patients to just sit around just in case they didn't accept your perio patient. I mean, come on, come what on, a bunch of nonsense. And, and what what's crazy is is that we just took it because that's what we right. had to do. Instead of saying, you know, okay, ethically speaking. Let's think about the patients here. Right. Is this a good thing for patients to be? Oh, yeah. We're going to hold off on treating that that perio until it's good for me. Yeah. Come on. I mean, like they should honestly, they should all be embarrassed that that ever was a thing, to be perfectly honest. 
Well, and I can understand early on you didn't have a whole lot of options, but now with the materials that we have available, yeah. they can they yeah. can do better, and they finally yeah. are. And it yeah. was COVID, I think, pushed things over the edge. And thank yeah. God, because what a bunch of crap that was. I will say, COVID has got to, and I know I don't have any associates or anything like that, but COVID has made it so these students had no actual clinical experience or very oh, little. I mean, like yes. they haven't they haven't had any patient experience, and and like that was the entirety of the second two years of dental school was For sure. just showing up and grinding it out. And, and, you know, the other thing is we should probably, the patients that would show up to the dental school and be patients, those people are saints. Those They're people saints. are saints, They're angels. Yeah, They're they angels. are. Yeah, they are. And a lot of them did it because they knew that it was good for us. I mean, at Minnesota, I mean, okay, some people could say, well, it costs a lot less. But I'm saying if you're getting paid, first off, the amount of time that it took. There's no cost savings there. Yeah, no, it, not a chance. It, it, but on top of that, at the University of Minnesota, it wasn't that much less expensive, honestly. I, that was the thing that, you know, you'd think it'd be easy to sell treatment when it doesn't cost very much, but it, was, it wasn't right. that much less than what everyone was paying outside. And they have to, you know, there was no appointment at the University of Minnesota that wasn't three hours long. I mean, oh, for sure. Polishing an amalgam, that's a three hour appointment. <laughs> I'm telling with you. The right exactly, with the rubber dam. Exactly. Exactly. I just like, oh, man. And those people put up with a lot. They sure. I, I look back and I think, man, I just, uh, Thank goodness for him. Thank goodness. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anyone in Minnesota. So at least, at least if it was your mom, she was going to put up with whatever. Oh, I never God had, forbid. I never had God that. forbid I worked yeah. on my mom. Are you crazy? Yeah, That's no, I know. I know. I know. I, I have my, my best friend did a, a full mouth rehab, uh, essentially probably one crown at the time or whatever sure. on both of his parents at that point. I remember honestly, he had his friends doing stuff on his, his mom needed work and his mom was willing to show up. And so like he had, he, she was a patient for multiple friends of his and stuff. Unbelievable. She's a great lady too. It's a, I, I just tend to think I'm like, you know, those guys were smart. Those guys yeah. were smart to get it done that way. I just, I didn't have the resources because everyone was so far away. So that right, was right. I mean, if I had it to do over again, I, I don't know that I would change. Dental school was hell for me. I did not, I, I didn't come out of dental school mentally. Well, uh, I, I'm still scarred to be perfectly honest. Same. I, I want to talk about that. When I was in dental school, the culture at Michigan was very much, it was very army um, based. It had, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, digging ditches just to fill up ditches type mm-hmm. stuff. And you brought your you know, wax up to the instructor and they just, they, if they didn't like it, they just break it. Do it they again. just break it, yeah. do it yeah. again. And it was, thank God, I had a wonderful, wonderful classmates. I don't know that I would have gotten through dental school if I didn't have such awesome classmates mm-hmm. because it was, uh, it was an emotional struggle. It was an academic struggle. Yeah. I haven't been, I have literally not gone back into University of Michigan Dental School since I graduated. I've walked mm-hmm. by it. I've thought about going in and I'm like, I, I still have these, this, uh, PTSD yeah. from, from all the stress that was there. Did, did you feel the same thing? Cause I, a lot of people don't, a lot of people I had did. a great experience. I, I mean, I, I had a horrible experience. I have been back to Minnesota before. I mean, like multiple times I've taken courses there. I took a surgical course there. I took a photography course there. And, and what's interesting is like, I've only been able to do that. It, it's hard to say because am I angry at the way we were treated? Yeah. But I also know that like a lot of the folks that were treating us that way, we're treated that way. Sure. And, and not- like the change in culture doesn't come without someone being very understanding about it. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to like, I've had some good experiences there since. And I, I've actually talked to a lot of students at, at Minnesota and it, it does sound like the culture's changed some, which is good. Culture was not good there. I mean, it was not, it was not good. It was, it was bordering on abusive and it was, it, it, but I mean, I know people that, that even that I was going to school with that had a good experience in dental school. So part of it, part of it's the fact that I didn't have much in the way of coping skills, I think probably. And that's, that's a huge part of it for me. But, um, you know, my dad talked about, you know, dental school was a nightmare for him too. I bet it was on some level. I think there's a bit of that for everyone. So if you're one of the people that, that loved dental school, 
understand that we're not alike. We're just not alike. We're different kinds of people. I talked to Justin Moody, who's like, oh, yeah, I loved it. I was done with my pre- I was done with my prerequisites at the end of my junior year. So I just hung out in the oral surgery clinic. I'm like, who are you? Who are you? My God, I was I was a super senior. It took till the and I was over for summer after it was actually the most relaxed time in dental school after I'd technically graduated. I just had to finish up my patients in July or whatever. It was crazy. So I I don't I didn't understand that. I didn't understand people could do that. But I I've talked to tons of people that had a pretty good experience around the same time that I was there. So it isn't just the dental school. I have to own some of that. I just didn't have the coping skills because it was because school was never a challenge for me until then. Like honestly. I don't mean to say that like I'm some kind of super genius, but at Miami, Ohio, it wasn't that hard. I did fine. And I got great grades. You know, it was a, on some level, dental school might be that, that it was the first time that I, I wasn't, it wasn't a walk in the park. And right. honestly, for me, even the academic stuff wasn't too awful bad. Like just if it was, if it was, I have a, I don't think I do anymore, but I used to have a, a creepy memory, like a creepy, I didn't need to go over the stuff very much to, to, oh. to pass the test. How nice. Stuff. So it was, the clin- it was the clinical and preclinical. It was the hand stuff that I just didn't have a skill set for it. I mean, the story is, is that you can, you can get that, that comes right. with practice. And I mean, literally your repetitions. entire model is that your entire repetition. model is that it does come with repetition practice and, and some, some leadership. Mm-hmm. I did have some really good clinical instructors and preclinical instructors that understood that I, that, that I struggled with. I was a little slower than the rest and took a little more time with me. That was helpful. But honestly, one of the best, exp- I failed operative preclinical operative second year. So uh, I had to do summer school with, there were a few others of us. And then there, were, sure. there was a fixed process one where they had to, so luckily I only had to do it in operative. I, I was with a couple guys that had to do operative and uh, fixed, fixed, but we weren't allowed to go in the clinic, which was incredibly shameful. Sure. It, was, it was really, it was embarrassing. It was shameful. We were, you yeah. know, we were, we were the, we were the slow kids. It was bad. We you know what, what was great was the actual summer clinic of preclinical operative. I was allowed to, they, they regraded us on all of the, the, the same practicals that we did during the regular time. Sure. And, and we were allowed to get whatever grade we got in the preclinical. I was one point away from an A. Like, so having the, the hands-on, having a lot of practice, having an instructor right there to help Some us mentorship. made a big difference too. Yeah. To, it yeah. really did. That's a lesson people could learn too. I mean, some people, and this is, again, this was totally your thing. People learn so differently. Right. There were some people that just never had a hard time understanding how the handpiece works and how the how the eye hand coordination works. And, yep. you know, and there and, and there were some people like me where it took a while to get that. You know, I, I did, it took a while to get that. I think most dentists, you know, truth be told, there's going to be some that are just super, super skilled. You know, you, mm-hmm. you've talked. Uh, what's our friend from from Britain? Uh, oh, Smithson. Yeah, Smithson. So Jason's a natural. He, falls a natural. he knows it. He won't say it, but he also he knows it. He knows he is. He know he he understands that he's got different kinds of eyes and hands than the rest of us do. And right. and he under he does. He's not even arrogant about it because he knows he's blessed. Honestly, yeah. so there there are people out there. And we had them in our class, right? For me, I just you know I just tried to outwork everybody. I mean, I was mm-hmm. in the lab at night. I was just prepping teeth, prepping teeth, prepping teeth. I mean, I just understood that you know it's it's about repetition. It's like a golf swing, like a baseball yeah. swing. Anything. It else. is. And, it is. But they what. You know what they always tell you, though? You, they didn't want in Minnesota. They didn't. I don't know if it's because they didn't want you to burn through their teeth tooth supply. It could have literally been about dollars. Sure. and cents. Sure. They didn't want you prepping a bunch of teeth, especially uh, not without them grading your efforts and understand. You know what I'm saying? Like on yeah. some level. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're struggling, if you're a dental student struggling with the hand skills, this is my best friend. Bart always says you should just hand them a box of a thousand teeth and say, don't even come back and talk to me until you've prepped a thousand teeth. Yeah, because because the story is like, even if you don't have the, the 
the best instruction on every preparation you do. Just doing it. It is. Just doing it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. And I, we, I didn't have that. I didn't have that at all. Yeah. So I, I, I remember I couldn't tell what the DEJ was. I mean, like, I, yeah. you know, I'm starting out in clinic and they're like, you're still in enamel. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I, I remember going in one night and I just took a handful of teeth and I just kept on drilling. And then I started feeling it, feeling mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, that's the damn DEJ. Yeah. Now remember the, the, remember the first time you had to drop, drop a box on a, on a type of on tooth? For the, the idea, in. Yeah. The, the idea of using a mirror. Uh, to tell you so literally a lot of times you're sort of doing it by feel but you didn't have any feel so it was all it was you know like it was just a friggin i remember that i remember that my day was fine as long as i didn't have to drop a box i'm thinking (laughs) to myself like which of course is what every one of us does a thousand times a day without even thinking about it but there was a time in my career where i'm like look if i can just work on the occlusal or the facial i'm good i'm good you know it's like uh, like having to break into the interproximal was the scariest thing in the world i remember that i remember when that was a thing the other thing is in dental school is that you have to put on the air that you got it all figured out. That was oh, yeah, it. I, I was never any good at that. Everyone knew that I didn't have it figured out. But I mean, the air was, you had to feel inferior or you weren't doing it right, you know? Well, you got to fake it till you make it, right? But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's, a, that's a total challenge. Yeah. There's a couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about podcasting because yeah. like we talked about, I mean, I really, I really appreciate yours. You know, you tell the story about he, how you and Jason had sort of met online back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even know you guys had met when there were still computers, when computers were around. I figured yeah. it was before then. Yeah. No, no, we, we met, we met on Facebook. And then was that part of a um, dental town? Is that where you guys met through? We actually met on Facebook. I probably could look back and see the date, but I mean, I was I was preparing a talk for the Michigan Dental Association meeting, and you've probably been to MDA meetings before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like when <laughs> when local like state meetings were good, the MDA meeting was as good as they got. Now I, I hate to say it, they all suck now. But yeah, there's not um, much. <laughs> but but I mean that was that was the highlight. You know, you'd go to Chicago Midwinter, and then the MDA was only a couple months away, so you had your your meetings that you'd go to. In any case, I was preparing for, I got to speak at that meeting a bunch of times on a bunch of different things. I, I spoke on addiction. I spoke on, but I, I, for a while I was speaking on social media, which is funny because I'm still, I was young at that time and social media was so new. Like I, right. like I look back and I think to myself, I would never want to speak on social media because it changes so quickly. Like when I was speaking, you couldn't have imagined such a thing as Instagram or, in or any TikTok. Case. Yeah, TikTok. exactly. Well, so but Jason had a pretty good, he had written a book, Social Media for Dentists. He and another guy, I mean, and, and it, this, we're talking like the, the aughts, man, the early aughts. And I uh, was struggling to find out about how Google reviews and how Google local worked. I couldn't figure that out for some reason. And so, and he had a lot of good stuff on Facebook. And so I just reached out to him and he basically gave me all of his stuff. And, and uh, he said, yeah, go ahead, use whatever. And so I, I kind of, my entire Google local and everything was Jason's when I gave that. It was a pretty good presentation at the time. And Jason, Jason pretty much gave it to me. So I realized he knew what was going on online stuff. So social media stuff, which is so funny because both he and I are relatively old compared to, you know, social sure. media, but, but we were kind of playing around with it when, when it was still kind of an early thing. In the infancy. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I met him. He was super nice, gave me all that stuff. But, and we always... I could tell he had a good sense of humor then too. We would, we would make each other laugh. So then, I don't know, I listened to podcasts and I, I sort of remember me bugging him about maybe we should try this. Like, like we probably have, we'd probably make each other laugh. We could give it a try. And then we met in person for the first time in 2013 at a Jason Smithson course. At, at Cosmonet. At yeah, yeah. At Cosmonet. So, and I can't really say enough. If you have not taken a course at Cosmodent. You need to take a course at Cosmodent. I literally think it's, you know, okay, so Spear has an amazing classroom. Yep. Coys has an amazing classroom. You know who had an amazing classroom first? Cosmodent. 
Cosman yeah. had that that classroom in the sky overlooking Michigan Avenue before those guys had anything. They I literally think a lot of these these teaching you know these teaching centers for for dentists that aren't dental schools. They're all kind of based on what Cosmonet started. I, I think. agree. And the nice thing about Cosmonet too is that it's small. You know, it's 15 yeah. people yep. max. Yep. Yep. And it is. that's that's half. They've the never size. changed that too. I know that it's got to nope. be tempting sometimes, but they but so it's you're gonna have FaceTime with with one of the instructors. And then when they get you and Buddy, you got two instructors for crying out that's loud. True. It's a, I mean, like two the reality is it's a it's a great first off, socially, it's great. You know, you guys always take people to great lunch and everything like that. It's And it's downtown Chicago's nice. You don't really, no one's, well, I, maybe they could, but people are probably not really driving in in the morning. They're probably staying somewhere and just walking right. over, which is, you can kind of focus on what's going on, but it's, it's a great classroom. It's, you know, my only thing was that you could probably stay there longer and do more. It was always right. like, there's always, you know, they didn't, they didn't overwhelm you, but it was, there's just a lot of good stuff in there. When you started out and you're talking to Jason, um, seriously, why did you think anyone would want to listen to you? We didn't. We didn't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, didn't, I, that, didn't that occur to you? Did you say, like, why would anyone want to listen to us? Yeah. I don't know. I, well, you know, I think there was a dearth of content that was, okay, I have a theory about podcasting. And basically, you need to be entertaining first, informative second, but you need to be entertaining first. It, yes. needs, it needs to be entertaining because if you're just if you're just pitching a product or no one right. no one's going to stick with it. Agreed. No one's going to stick with that. So so I, I that's always been my theory and so I felt like because Jason cracked me up and still does like I felt like okay so so on some level I was always the big talker. I was always the lead sort of like I, for whatever reason I think it's I think it's a, a actually a fault of mine. I can't stand empty space. So I will fill it with uh, words. I do that at the office. I, I mean, it's it's a problem, except it's worked out for me. But in any case, Jason was always waiting to, to put the zinger in there. So so Jason, his talent is to to put the soul crushingly funny zinger <laughs> in the conversation. So he wasn't he wasn't necessarily the guy who would pick the conversation up from the beginning, but he was right. always like the perfect foil. We kind of knew that about each other, but literally the and the other thing is we we all wanted to my thing was that the best thing I thought to listen to, if you've ever heard, oh, it's been a long time since I've listened to him, but a podcast called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. And it's it's basically, mm-hmm. it's like a five-person podcast that talks about scientific skepticism. It's, and it, it was it was huge at the time. It's got to be even bigger now. But there were five people that were on every... So it was a roundtable all the time. You know, it was a roundtable all the time. And then actually, the other one that I listened to a lot was called Mugglecast. And this was, God, this was back in the... in the, the Get back to Harry Potter. Yeah, right. And it was just a, it was a bunch of high school kids. It was kids, for crying out loud. But they did a roundtable-style podcast. And I thought to myself, no one does that in dentistry. And, mm-hmm. and my thing was like, so we were definitely going to do a round table, but then also have Jason and I interview people. And we didn't realize how nice it was going to be. People were okay being interviewed. Most people didn't know what they were getting into. Sure. But it was, uh, but it was so on some level, we're like, they didn't really have that. There were a few podcasts out there, not a right. ton. Gary Takis was out there. Mm-hmm. Bilal Saeed was out there. And, and uh, Jason Luchtefeld and Grant, they were doing sort of, it was, wasn't really a dental podcast called The Prism. It was sort of a, because these are a couple of the ones that I went on before I decided that I could do it. I, I was a guest of, of a couple before I before I wanted to do it. And I'm like, I could totally do this. So I kind of came in there with the idea of this is how we should do it because it would be interesting. And we sort of stuck with that. And that's actually still hung in there to this day. Uh, we actually used to do it. So we'd always say the first half of the podcast was an interview. The second half was a roundtable. And I would, always, I would always break the interviews into two parts. So you'd have to listen to the second podcast to get the 
rest. Sure. Everyone hated that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone hated right. that. And and I did that for the first probably couple of years. And, and I finally said, okay, okay. I hear everyone that, you know, hey, you could start and finish the same interview or round table at the same time. But so that was, I felt like that would be interesting to listen to. And I think it is. But the other thing is, is Jason, and I didn't realize that he and I would just have, we could carry it on our own too. Right. Like a lot of times we, we always had banter before and after that stuff. And that was, that became very comfortable and easy because we got used to each other. So on some level, it just worked out. I didn't know people were going to want to listen to us, but I did know that there weren't a lot of podcasts out there. So we thought, hey, maybe we could start something interesting. You know, one of the one of the challenges when I'm when I'm doing these, and we call it a share cast because it's all about people just sort of sharing. Mm-hmm. But I gotta because I'm on my own, I've only invited people in who I think are fun and mm-hmm. enjoyable mm-hmm. because I need that banter. I want to have fun while I'm while I'm doing this. So when you guys were doing this and you guys talked to a lot of people, there must have been some people where it was just sort of like like trying talking to a snail, like talking yeah. to like a you know a book and have yeah. and then I'm I'm assuming having Jason with you, you guys could sort of overcome that and pull yeah. that in or yeah. how do you manage that? I, yeah, I think so. I got to tell you if anyone wants to listen to an interview where we warmed the person up and they came, they, they finally realized where we were going with it. Scott Gans. God, that was, that oh, was years God, that's a long time Scott ago. Scott Gans. Yeah. Okay. So we interviewed he's, him. He's an implant guy for those. Who he's an Scott intimidating Gans. implant guy. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he's right. like, he, he's been at the cutting edge of implants for years and years. You know, to him, we were just a couple chuckleheads. He didn't really, I didn't know anything about him. Jason kind of brought him in. And you could tell about halfway through the interview, he realized, I don't know, this is okay. This is softballs. These guys aren't, these guys are okay. And it was a pretty good interview. And on some level, that got easier as we went along, because I think once people had heard of us or maybe heard how we do things, they knew that it wasn't going to be. Because I think a lot of people were were worried about what it was going to be because they didn't know anything about podcasts. They didn't know what to expect. And I don't blame them for that on some level. But the other thing is, is the technology has been, oh, man, the technology was tough because you want it's important that it sounds decent. There's nothing yep. worse than listening to an interview that sounds like a bad cell phone call. Exactly. And, and back when we started, a lot of times, that's that's what the technology would allow. I went to great lengths to, oh man, I won't even go into it, but I went to great lengths to to have some pretty elaborate ways to make it sound good. You guys would send a microphone. Oh, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. And we would, well, because the other thing is if they didn't have a decent mic, what we didn't realize is they, that on some level, you could almost do it with your phone. Like right. an iPhone microphone is actually not bad, but if they can even get just an iPhone headset, it was better than a, a, a laptop mic. Although some of the laptop mics now in a relatively quiet room aren't even all that bad. So like literally we've been doing it long enough that the technology has just gotten better, I think. The other thing is, is like sometimes people, people accepted our invitation that we wouldn't like, we talked to Rella Christensen early on. Oh, wow. Like, Gordon wanted nothing to do with us. We, I still have never podcasted with Gordon Christensen, which I'd love to, but I still never have, but Rella did. And me you know, she was, she was just, Oh my gosh, she was unreal. It was one of the better. Our, the sound wasn't very good. I wasn't, I didn't record her very well, unfortunately, but boy, the podcast, the content was amazing. I remember that. God, that was a long time ago. It was within the first year that we were doing it. So I had to be 2014, 2015. That's nuts. That was seven years ago. That's very um, cool. So yeah, I mean, and, and I think it got easier to get guests on. And I will say this, the round tables are great, but it's hard enough to get three people to come on at once. Getting four or five people to come on at the same time. That's hard. It's not really hard. Yeah. It's hard to get, it's hard to get, it's hard to to coordinate having one person as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone having multiple people that have to be in with that as well. Yeah. In the remote, the idea of recording from your living room or whatever sounds great, except the technology, the technology really has caught up. Like the zoom is pretty good. We use Squadcast, but I mean, there's some pretty good, pretty good things, but at the time it didn't. The other thing is, is that 
what I've realized, the perfect world is that I would live in Los Angeles or Chicago or something where there were lots of people to talk to that you could do face-to-face studios. Right. That would be awesome. Right. Uh, and I think like the quality of the conversation live is pretty great. Like you got to admit that the, the quality of the conversation is pretty good when you're in person. We've done that at Voice of Dentistry a lot. And so I, I like to try and come to meetings where I can talk with people. Like if well, I have a there's chance. There's an intimacy, do, right? There's, yeah. there's, that you just can't when you're, when you're screen separated and, yep. and all that. Even better at meetings too, when you have a headset mic like we have, yep. it's pretty cool because you get the background noise of the meeting going on. But yet when you're in there, it's pretty. It's like you're in your own little room in there. It's right. very cool. It's a really cool... Uh, my dream had always been to have a booth where people could look in and see you see you podcasting yet it was quiet in there. But we have pretty close to that at Voice of Dentistry though too. So it's, it's pretty... We've got the live thing figured out pretty good. I've got my live set up. If it weren't for my stupid foot, I would have been in Chicago. I got a live setup that I can set up anywhere. Like it's, I don't need, I don't even need a plug. I can literally, I can run off batteries and everything like that. So it's, I can literally do it anywhere. It's pretty great. Talk to me about voices of dentistry. When, how did that come into play and where, like, where did that I, all It's happen? so funny. Because, okay. So Mark Costas was, was uh, podcasting soon after he, he started a little bit after us, but not a lot. Mark has a, probably the most downloads of anyone. Cause he, he, for a while there, he might still be putting out content every day. I'm not Very sure that's a, that's a lot. In any case, I knew he was out there. I We knew he was, and we'd had him on the show and stuff like that. And so we had like a group of podcasters that were doing a thing. And I and it sort of sprung from my brain. I'm like, we should do a meeting that's like kind of features podcasters. And so we sort of, we came to it late in that year. There's a pretty tight community of dentists that are podcast listeners. And in particular, audio podcast listeners. It's, it's kind of a thing, you know, it, I don't really even know how to describe it other than they sort of came together. And so we had a nucleus of people that were going to show up for this meeting and, and we just had to find a place to find it. But it kind of sprung from my brain. I'm like, what if we had a meeting where the podcasters all got together and just and did live podcasts? My, my original concept was that it was the podcasters go on stage and do live podcasts in front of an audience. Ah, it's kind of like that. And, and I have made a point of trying to do that whenever I present, not, not every time, most of the time I'm presenting in some kind of a podcast format, whether that's Jason and I doing something live, sure. or I, I did a live Alameda experience, that sort of thing. The other guys really, since they're used to presenting to groups, they, a lot of them take advantage of their own thing, but, but we still have tried to feature podcasters as speakers as much as possible. And that's been kind of cool. That's been a neat thing to be able to do. And, and we, we haven't done that perfectly, but also it's the, the meeting has, the energy hasn't really changed actually. It's, it's the first it's, one was your first one, 2017, 2000. It was okay. So yeah, it was cause, cause Trump had just been inaugurated. I remember that. So it was 2017, January, like Trump, mm-hmm. like the day before Trump had been inaugurated or something like that. And I, that's, that's just the landmark. I got, I got no other commentary besides that, but uh, so it was in Nashville. It was <laughs> the greatest thing ever. It was at the, it was a resort that sounded better than it was. What is it? What's the, what's the fancy, the not, really fancy? Not the Gaylord. It's, it, well, it, it was the Gaylord, except oh, it wasn't God, the one God. you're thinking of. It wasn't the one you're thinking. It was like the Gaylord Motor Inn or something like that. It was, a, <laughs> it was across the street from the actual Gaylord Resort, but it had the word Gaylord in it. And I swear to God, all the Southern guys that showed up, they came because they thought it was at the actual Gaylord. And it was, it was like a, it was a holodome. It was terrible. Well, the Gaylord terrible. property is like a big habit trail. The one in Nashville. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's literally, well, you've been there because it's literally uh, right across the street from that place. Uh, 
I think it's awful, quite yeah, honestly. I, I, I've, I never spent any time in there because, you know, I'm, I'm a motor lodge guy. I'm, you know, I'm team motor lodge here. But like literally, if you, if you got the wrong room, your room was literally on the outside. You had to, you had to walk like, like you had rooms that opened into the inside. It was clearly, it was originally like a courtyard that was outside and they put a roof over it. It was a hollow dome for crying out loud. And actually, and the people that went there, we like to joke about it. It was not a nice place, but the meeting had a cool energy. What happened was Justin Moody, showed up with his podcast. He had just started his podcast and those guys never left the podcasting room. We had a room where people were doing live podcasts. Well, all of a sudden came to realize that that live podcasting thing was very interesting. It sort of became a place where people would go to the meeting so they could be on podcasts. Sure. And, and I have to tell you, Paul Homily and I sort of talked about this a couple months ago and you know, at, at VOD 2020, you could do that without having an audience, by the way. <laughs> you oh, yeah. could just have podcasters and people who want to be on podcasts show up and have a meeting. It'd be a lot cheaper. <laughs> It'd be a lot yeah. cheaper and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to put on a show or anything. Just do a bunch of podcasts. So that's on some level, we, we've we talked about doing like VOD mini things that are just sort of like that. So we have a program that we have a CE program that people mm -hmm. can take, but they, but also the, the magic is in the exhibit hall because the, the exhibitors are all in there on the outside. And then there's a bunch of podcasters in the middle that are doing their thing. And so doing their live podcast. Exactly. So, so it's a table different, and just talking. Exactly. It's a different energy than probably any other meeting. And a lot of the exhibitors come because they're sort of, they're sort of in the space of, you know, whatever podcasters are, are working. So it's, it's been, it's an interesting meeting. I had an idea for it and it's sort of evolved over the years, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a neat meeting. Well, and, and the nice thing, you get tons of content out of it. You get oh to, gosh, yeah. Yeah. you know, I was talking to, we have a, a dental study club. We run through DOT. We meet Friday morning, one Friday morning a month. We call it coffee and donuts study club. Yeah. And we just sort of hang out and we have dentists who've been practicing for 40 plus years to dentists who are recent graduates and stuff. Okay. Okay. And someone was asking about occlusion and we're, we're sure they go for the occlusion course. You know, they want to learn more about occlusion before they start doing aesthetic stuff, which mm -hmm. I think is really brilliant. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Right. And so as I was talking, I said, you know, a lot of it is about mentorship. You know, where are you going to go for your mentorship? Because it's hard to take these paths alone. And if you have a group that you can take this path with, you're just going to be more successful. You're going to have people to support you. And I think with maybe with the podcast stuff, and I don't know, I mean, I'm new to this, this whole arena, but I think being able to talk to people who've gone through it and have experience, it could be equipment wise, it could be, you know, people that you're interviewing, you know, whatever it is, I think probably being in an environment with other people who have, you know, going down a, a similar trail. Mm -hmm. I think that's got to be pretty super helpful and, and powerful. Yeah. It's funny because we've talked about mentorship on the show a lot in uh, mentorship is a hard topic because it's, it's hard. It's I don't my know. Favorite topic. Some it's people, my favorite topic. Some people really like to mentor. Some people really like to, to share, like you're, you're like that. A lot of people that are not interested in, in sharing sure. what they know, they're too busy. They're too busy doing other stuff. And, and that's fine too. On some level, you wouldn't want someone mentoring you. That's not particularly interested in it. If you know, what absolutely. I'm absolutely. Um, but it's hard because on some level, it's, it's sort of a competitive thing. I do think that like new dentists coming out now, they just, I think someone my age or older just doesn't get it. They just can't understand. There's a whole different kind of pressure right now. Oh, you know, like all, sure. all of all people my age, they were probably planning on buying a practice at some point. Maybe not, right. but most of them figured they'd own a practice at some point. For sure. That's that's like a whole different animal now. Like totally. like the idea of like they come out with a practice loan because they went to dental school. I mean, literally think about that. They're 400 grand. I mean, I bought my practice for way less than that. Mind you, mine's a little bit of a special situation, but bottom line is that that's a whole thing. I mean, the house. way that, yeah, it is. It's a big house. It's around yeah. here. Uh, you know, so it's like they come out with that. 
did people, you know, when I graduated have debt? Yeah, but, but not like nothing that. really like this. Yeah, nothing no, really like totally, this. Totally so it's, it's just a different animal. And I, I do think a lot of people our age maybe don't understand it. That, They're not sensitive to it, for sure. Yeah, that's probably, they might understand it, they don't care. But the other thing is, is that I also think that younger people don't realize how little clinical experience they got in yes. school. I'm not trying to say anything bad about their education. They paid a lot for it, for crying out loud, but they just didn't, particularly the ones in the last couple of years. They just yeah. didn't get a lot of clinical experience. But the the way the world is, is that you, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you have to show that you know your stuff and that you're, you're you know, rock star. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. That's where mentorship would come in a big time to help you for know sure. what you don't know a little bit. Because that's there's a lot. Of, I, I was never brave about that stuff. There's a lot of people that are. There's a lot of people that are ready to do all kinds of crazy stuff and they don't really know what they're doing yet, maybe. Yeah, I, I needed, I I mean, I sought out men mentorship when I was young. I mean, I just, I would just go ask questions. I just, go, I mean, actually what I'd like to do is sort of finish up our conversation here, but I want to talk mm -hmm. to you about um, addiction stuff and sure, sobriety absolutely. and stuff like that. And that's going to take a few minutes. So sure. what I'd like to do before we move on, I want to finish off this part one and then uh, take a little break and then we'll come back in part two. Alan, I want to talk, I, I think you and I are very similar. I think we have this very introvert extrovert dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you taken, have you taken the Myers-Briggs before? I did a long time ago. I don't remember. I, I, yeah. I mean, we did, I probably should. It'd be interesting. Cause I know, I know when I took it, I tested extrovert. I know that. And I don't know if I, I don't know if it was that I wasn't being honest <laughs> or, or if I've changed, but I'm quite sure I would, I would be an I. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was right on the border. I was 50%. I was mm -hmm. like literally right on the border. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's a characteristic that I, I sort of suspect in you as well, mm -hmm. is that you're mm -hmm. able to, when you're put into a, a situation, you're it able is. to be, you'll be able to be there. Yeah. But the, the question is, is, when you need time, when you need to, when you need to recharge your batteries, do you want to recharge your batteries by going out and being with a bunch of people? Or do you recharge your battery by going and find solitary time and doing things on your own? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want me to answer that? Yeah. It's the easiest question in the world. Leave me alone. Yeah. I need to be alone a lot, right. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like for a while there, it was, oh, we'll talk about it. But I mean, what's funny, voice of dentistry, I am notorious. First off, voices of dentistry, I'm, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I don't like the drinking culture that's at my own meeting. It's mm -hmm. a party. Everyone knows it. Ha ha ha. Real funny, you know, but not for me. Right. I, I will say that as soon as, as soon as we're done, I disappear. I find a small crew of people that I can be around that, that don't drink. I mean, I can be around people who are drinking. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I choose not to, but right. also I don't really want to be around that many people either. <laughs> right. it's, it's partly the drinking. It's partly, I don't, I just kind of want to be alone. So yeah. Yeah. After I do a presentation, like, especially like a full day workshop or something, yeah. I just yeah. want to go back to my hotel room and just mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe I'll go down to the gym, work out, maybe I'll get a glass of wine and I'll just turn on ESPN, but I just need to recharge away yeah. after giving out all that energy. And I yeah. sort of suspected the same with you. Yeah, it is big time. Big time. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, dental online trainers, thanks for hanging out with us in our little chit chat with Dr. Alan Mead. In part two, Alan speaks openly and he's incredibly vulnerable about his experience with addiction. I think this is a topic and information that everyone's got to listen to because it's either going to affect you or it's going to affect someone that you love. Um, and it's a, it's a reality of the world we live in. And I want to, I want to, I got a bunch of questions. I want to talk to Alan and uh, have him share his experience and things that we need to look at both um, in ourselves for some of us and um, those around us and maybe get in front of something before things become more challenging. So dental online trainers, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, yours for better dentistry. Dr. Dennis Hartley, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, dental online trainers, I hope that you enjoyed our visit with Alan. Now, coming up in part two of our conversation, 
we'll be talking about a much more severe and serious topic, drug addiction and recovery. Alan is very open in this conversation about his unlikely path into addiction and the care and love of his family, friends, and team members that helped him get to sobriety. So look for that episode coming up soon, wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you enjoyed listening to our Sharecast, we love those five-star ratings. And please feel free to share this with your dental colleagues. Now, also, don't forget that DOT has so many other great opportunities from our Wine in Our Wind, our monthly webinars, where we engage real-time with our viewers as we bring in leaders throughout the dental industry. We also have our monthly coffee and donut study club mentoring sessions, our live virtual workshops. In fact, we have our sixth tooth direct resin course coming up this June. And we have our blogs and of course our endless selection of hands-on pre-recorded technique courses to help you improve your dentistry. So check us out at dothandson.com. And thanks for joining us. And as always, yours for better dentistry. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartley. Thanks so much for listening to the Sharecast. If you are not yet a subscriber, please do subscribe to our Sharecast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're loving the Sharecast, share it with your colleagues. And please rate it and leave us a review. Also, if you want access to fantastic clinical, managerial, and leadership tips to help you in your practice of dentistry, check us out at dothandson.com or find me on Instagram at HartleyDDS. This episode was created with special help from Clear O'Neill. It was edited by Ashley Dixon Ellison and with original music by Chris Peterson. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartley, yours for better dentistry.